The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Welcome to The Fear of God, episode 56. We have a conversation every single week about the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. Um, We're so glad that you're here. Having that conversation is myself, Reed Lackey, and... Myself, Nathan Rouse. (laughs) Uh, So, Nathan, how you doing? Reed, I'm doing okay. I survived the woods. (laughs) You know, around oh, that really, man. around that really lovely southern house, but I survived. Oh, that was not my experience of the South. Uh, right, and, right. Uh, you know, like, uh, whew, yeah, that was not uh, that. That's that's very unsettling. That's very disturbing. Wait, um, we're talking about we're talking about fried green tomatoes today, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that, cool. Yeah, that okay. and how to make how to make an American quilt. Those <laughs> well, I already I already knew how to do that, so I didn't watch. That oh, movie. oh, oh. Okay, all right. No problem. I got no skills. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yes wow. today you made a comment nathan and uh sadly Uh-oh. this is true i hope that 2017 does not have any more of these in store because i don't know how to take anymore but uh you made a comment oh, yeah. that we're gonna have to change the name of our show to the eulogies of god because <laughs> we we have uh lost such titans in the horror genre this year we lost william peter blatty at the top of 2017 uh lost relatively recently george romero passed away and then uh toby hooper uh of course passed away not that long ago uh, a few weeks ago now as of this recording we felt it fitting as we have this past year to take the opportunity we also lost jonathan demi for sounds the lambs um bill paxton uh, so so what we've kind of made the trend this year, I don't know that we'll continually do this, what we've kind of made the trend this year is that uh, we take the opportunity to tribute the passing of these titans in the horror industry with um, talking about their their film, their iconic film. And so today, in brief tribute to Toby Hooper, we are going to be talking about the landmark, influential, iconic horror film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So yeah, there is uh, there's a lot to say about this movie, but first of all, Nathan, I got to uh i gotta know something very 
very important. Tell me. What you watching? What you reading? <laughs> what you listening to? <laughs> I need I need that I need that to become like one just a, a ringtone. <clears throat> but two, I need I need your you know how I like to idiotically introduce you occasionally i need that i need that to become your your stick is like is you just do the one these random yeah just random versions of what you're watching reading what you watching I, I love that you sounded like i swear you sound like a muppet or a fraggle who are you conjuring <laughs> in your head right there <laughs> it's like uh, a little sure. like it's probably dr teeth and his electric mate that, there it is yep you did it <laughs> That or Rolf, or Rolf. I was, I was, that was my first thought. <laughs> Rolf. Um, oh man. So yeah, what you watching? You know, to answer your question, I, I, I've been pretty not watching, reading, or listening to much lately. I, I went. Through, oh, uh, yeah. The tide is out on uh, okay. right now on on my consumption. But um, I will say, my wife and I have been watching pretty consistently as our kind of you know decompressed from the day kind of. TV viewing is Blackish. Do you ever watch Blackish? I've never seen an episode. No, it, I mean I know that it's a pretty popular show, pretty highly praised, but no, I've never seen an episode. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It is. Wanda Sykes is in it, so she's funny. Well, she's she's not in the first season. Were you to watch that? But um, she's funny. Kind of all the performers are really. It's really strong casting. Larry Wilmore is like an executive producer on it, and I think writes a lot of it. But um, nice. it's it's a good show. It's a good show. I'm I'm clearly not like hyper passionate about it, but it is something I right, have been right. watching lately. Um, cool. While I wait to go see it. Ooh you'll, man, you'll float too, Reed. You'll float too. As of this recording, I'm going tomorrow night to see it. Ooh, and I'm gonna float too. My wife and I are actually going to see that together. It's one of the rare moments that I'm going to get my wife in the movie theater to see a horror film. I'm like, I, oh, I, my God. I sort, of, I sort of tested that out on my wife. I didn't say, like, hey, Reed's wife is going. Why don't you be cool? <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> but I did say, you don't want to go see it with me, do you? And she just looked at me. It's, she might as well have slapped me in the face. It was like, <laughs> why on earth would you ask me that stupid of a question, so, you idiot? It's so funny. You know? Oh, yeah. No. And then, um, I, and then I looked at her and I said, you'll float too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> then that's when you just pulled out the red balloon. And like, oh. um, so, yeah. So, I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited for that film, too. The uh, I hope it's good. Yeah, you'll have to let me know what you I, think about we it. We don't need another Dark Tower this year because yeah. we're, cov- we're covering it for the pod, whether we want to or not, whether it's good or not. Yeah, it's it's happening. <clears throat> Stay tuned, everybody. But uh, but yeah, so speaking of things that my wife and I are watching, enjoying together, uh, we are more than halfway through the, the games that are Thrones. And uh, so we have now completed all of season four of Game of Thrones. Uh, we have rabidly been season consuming it. Season four. Holy cow. How does season yeah. four end? Spoiler alert. How does season four end? Okay. Spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, everybody. Uh, season four ends with uh, the, the most prominent effective thing is Tyrion's trial and escape from okay. King's Landing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that that mountain and viper fight. Oh, good, yeah. good lord. Good that gave me the heebie-jeebies for about 48 hours. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. And uh, like, especially it was devastating because I knew a few things going into the show as a whole. Like, I knew a few spoilers. That was one element about which I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the outcome of any of that. And so I was very invested when the Viper comes in and he's like, I will be your champion. My wife can tell you, right. like, I, I rose up and cheered. I was like, yes, this is all. And so. And then, yeah. and then I got out of the scene and I was just like. Oh, don't make that sound <laughs> while thinking of that scene. Oh well, I, I will. I will say the show has done since that. Since then, the show has done a lot with the scope and the scale and the the grandeur. It it's been a while mm. since it's had that level of shock moment. Like really, okay. that is All such right. a surprising and and shocking moment. Uh, it's been yeah. a while since we've had something that that felt quite so surprising. In that nature, gotcha. Since, gotcha. Well, cool. Yeah, I mean, well, cool. yeah, Y'all I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, we're liking along. Yeah, um, I'll report back when we're when we're fully caught up. When we're fully caught up with the last three seasons. So. All right. When they all die so, yeah. and the aliens come, and it's why you, you guys spoil everything. Well, I just spoil? want you to be prepared. It's a bit of a swerve. It's a Wicker Man esque swerve right, right, right there at the end. It, it, it didn't sit well with some viewers. The book readers were like, really? That's what's going to happen in Winds of Winter? Wow. <laughs> like, oh, I never realized this. They were in modern times the whole right. time? I didn't Westeros I didn't is really just like an ant colony and on someone's desk <laughs> on an alien planet? What in the world? No. Yeah. No. no. I, enough. I did it. Enough. Uh, so. All right. Well, that's Nathan. been another episode of. What you watching? What you reading? <laughs> what you listening to? <laughs> What's so fantastic about your explosive rendition of that was the 30-second pause where we both making eyes at each other like, you're going to do it. 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 And then you just explode into this Dr. Teeth. Yes. <laughs> Put me yes. in, coach. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so, so today, um, Reed, today we are talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't have it in front of me. When was this? Uh, this was 1974. 74, that's right, that's right. Um, a year so after last week's. I was going to say, crazy. next week we've got to do a 75 film. Um, uh, it's not going to happen, but yes. And then the month after that, we're doing hashtag I love the 90s, by the way. That is that is on the horizon. That's exciting. That um, <laughs> so, how many times have you seen this massacre of a Texas Chainsaw variety? Four or five. This was my fourth or fifth viewing. I can't, I just, can't quite remember, but okay. four, four or five times I've seen it. This is actually my second time that I've had a conversation about it. I, we, we used it as a companion film on a more than one lesson episode about maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a film that has frequented my, my circulars. Um, it's highly, highly praised, highly respected in the horror genre. Part of because when it came, really like Night of the Living Dead was the biggest landmark in horror for a long time. But then you start to get into, and I can't remember when Rosemary's baby was. I need to, I need to look this up, but then the seventies, you start to get like 73, you get exorcist and 74, you get Texas chainsaw massacre. So horror begins to start to have this, this kind of a pedigree as it were. And uh, as we'd mentioned, Toby Hooper was the director. And and this is, this episode is meant as a, a, a sort of a tribute to his work. 
Most of his most effective things uh, happened in the early part of his career. His biggest staples, of course, being this. He directed the TV version of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Um, He directed uh, a film called The Fun House, uh, which I like a lot. Um, It's a very fun 80s sort of slasher schlock film. Another film that's not quite as good, but is still uh, entertaining and enjoyable called Life Force. But he is, and I'm almost remiss to mention this, but he is the credited director for Poltergeist, the original Poltergeist. The reason I say credited director is because rumors and evidence abound a plenty that he was director in name only that's that Steven Spielberg really directed Poltergeist. And, um, uh, that's, that's an episode and a conversation or a conversation for another episode. But, uh, yeah, uh, Toby Hooper is, has been a tremendous force in the horror genre and has been a, a very powerful influence. Most especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre is frequently cited as either the number one or the number two greatest horror film of all time. The, the three, that kind of take that title, depending on which list you read, are going to be The Exorcist, The Shining, or The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what mm-hmm. they're going to list as like the greatest horror film of all time. Like Halloween and Alien are usually up there, but they usually hit about the third or fourth place mark. Like the number one spot on any list worth its salt is going to be either Exorcist, The Shining, or The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, it's a, a powerful, a very effective film. It's a grimy, dirty, rough film. What did you think about it, Nathan? How did you, how did you feel? I thought it was grimy, dirty, and rough. <laughs> <laughs> I, know that, I know that's how you like your movies. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, oh, um, man. But, but no, seriously. Like, what, so, what, you think? I, when you first threw it on the table so mild sort of side story here i mean like of the sort of landmark uh horror movies it's possible this you know we'd we'd have to compare notes to see what qualifies as quote-unquote landmark horror movies but this might be one of the only ones i had not seen yet you know i've seen all of the initial entries in the main franchises at various points in my adult life, you know, I don't remember everything about all of them, but I've seen them and something about this one honestly made me a little nervous to watch. And so when it came up, I was like, okay, yeah. oh crap. All right, fine. <laughs> um, Starting with the title. I mean, that that's a daunting. Right, title. right, right. Yeah. Now yeah. I feel stupid asking this because I could just easily look it up on IMDb, but personality type wise i like to get my results from people is there a renee zellweger is she in she's in some version of texas chainsaw massacre so there's there's a film that she and her co-star matthew mcconaughey desperately tried to get that's like, right like squashed um it's a it's a i it's been years since i've seen it i barely have a memory for it but i remember not liking it very much it's some sort of like prequel uh sort of thing but yeah renee zellweger and matthew mcconaughey in this bizarre dark comedy take on the texas chainsaw massacre mythos weird yeah it's uh yeah it's well i mean i I know that's a random sort of yeah a couple decades since i saw it that's a random thing to introduce there except that that's all i could conjure in remembering some connection to the movie Ah. or association um and then once i saw 74 i'm like that's not right there she's not in this Uh, um so yeah, this is the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, it is, it's, it's pretty jacked up. Um, if I can. Yeah, it's nuts. Say though. that. Uh, this is probably yeah. the, so my wife was out of town 
which which typically would mean lots of free time to watch movies and things like that and in an unfettered fashion uh unfortunately what that really meant was my three children are still at the house with me so my wife's out of town it's a friday night uh, the all the kids are in bed ostensibly asleep but you just never know and no yeah oh, i didn't yeah. know what this movie had to hold for me <laughs> this is this is the only movie in our 55 plus movies we've watched or you know however many actually it is less the literature we've covered and the songs don't forget those and the graphic novels don't forget oh, those yeah. either um <laughs> this is the, this is the first movie of our coverage where literally in one hand i had the the remote for the pause <laughs> and in the other hand i had the remote for the volume yeah oh yeah because yeah. i was like I am going to traumatize any child that walks through the door and sees anything on the screen or hears anything oh, yeah. coming from the screen. Like, yeah, no and, doubt. And you, you no and doubt. I, you and I pre-briefed this a little bit. Like I went back and read it, a transcript of it, but the entire pretty much from when, what's the, is it Sally? Is her name Sally? Sally is the, yeah, Sally's the final girl. Yeah. Pretty much once she is on her own, I really didn't hear any dialogue whatsoever because the volume was that low. Because, <laughs> well, especially right, because right. once you get to that infamous dinner scene, she is shrieking her head off, rightfully so, not, not knocking her. Um, Throughout the entire thing. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So oh, you've yeah. got that. You've got their sort of chatter and whatever. You've got this wacky score that's going on. I was like, no, this is so, the volume is so low, I couldn't hear a single bit of dialogue. So, yeah, that was my experience of watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just like on pins and needles, you know. So, so it had sure. its effect. It's had its effect. Um, oh, yeah. I will, I will say this. I told you this earlier today, and I sort of surprised myself even with this thought. Like, even though the viewing of it the first time was so wild in terms of external factors... After it was over, I was like, you know, I could, I could maybe watch that again. It kind of surprised sure. me to have that. It kind of surprised me to have that feeling. Um, yeah, but it is so kind of. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of ways to phrase this that aren't profane. It's just so bonkers, you know. Um, sure. Oh, sure. In a way that's kind of compelling. You're like, oh, uh, deeply. You, yeah. You know, the 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 dinner table scene is so crazy. But then the the Leatherface dancing with his chainsaw that ends it is almost like you're like, yeah, I feel you, brother. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's do it again. Start it over. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that that sequence. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's a film that has this bizarre power. I don't know. I don't I don't even quite understand it. Every time I go into it. Well, frankly, like, Reed, I believe that's the devil, brother, that you're, that you're uh, <laughs> latching on to or he's latching on to your spirit through this through this demonic film. Could it be Satan? Aiden, Aiden, Aiden. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it is really uh, it's it's a very haunting and affecting and unnerving and disturbing and any other sort of words that you would use adjectives you would use to describe uh, horror films. It It's it's really provocative. So the opening narration we dive right into trivial bits. The opening narration is performed by one John Larroquette of Night that. Court fame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, supposedly, the rumor is that he was paid for his work with a single marijuana joint, um, which I All think right. is uh, <laughs> interesting. Welcome, welcome um, to the early 70s. 
So, so I always find this bizarre. We said this about Scott Derrickson's Sinister, and I always just find this bizarre. I do not know what, what is going through directors' minds. I say this in all sincerity, with complete respect to Toby Hooper, with complete respect to Scott Derrickson. The comment will make sense in a second. Um, Toby Hooper really thought he could get a PG rating with this film because he kept. <laughs> I did see that because he kept the the violence moderate and the language mild. So he really thought he was going to get a PG rating, and I'm like, this film is terrifying. What do you? Right, how do you right, feel? Like, right. how, what do you think that you're going to get? A, and that's what it's the same thing that Derrickson thought for um, uh, for Sinister. It's the same thing Juan thought for Conjuring. He's like, we're going to get a PG-13 rating, and there's like, this movie is scary. What are you talking about, PG-13? You know? And I'm sitting here like, there was no way it got Texas Chainsaw Massacre got an X rating. For the longest time, until they cut like tons of it, until they were finally like, "Okay, fine, you can, we'll give you an R." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, just release it already." I, right. just, I mean, it's it's deeply, deeply disturbing. <laughs> it's really unnerving. I just don't understand. God rest in peace, Toby Hooper. I do not understand why a director would go in and be like, "Maybe, maybe we can get a PG out of this." I'm like, "I think we're what? getting there. We're getting close." Oh my god. They've gosh. just got that that poignant family scene around the dinner table. Oh it my it gosh. really speaks to American family values and good lord. It's a, yeah, it's it's a nightmarish little film. I I have just a just two more brief trivial bits. Um uh, so speaking briefly to the influence of of this on the horror genre, it was the first horror film to feature like power tools as weapons which frequently gets brought back up in the horror genre serial killers and stuff um but it was also the first film that i'm aware of to feature this faceless hulking figure as the killer like leatherface yeah. as a template for the future friday the 13th or the the sort of monolithic monsters with no face who are you know impossible to defeat and impossible to escape um that that was the sort of the first film to do that but my favorite trivial bit about this and i don't know if you noticed this especially because the volume was so dang low on your tv from the moment leatherface is chasing her there is no doppler effect on the chainsaw so her screams, you you don't understand what I'm saying. Like her screams will come into the frame and get louder and get softer as she exits the frame. Whether Leatherface is in the house with the chainsaw or right on her heels, the chainsaw volume is as high as it can be the whole time. Interesting. And that was and that was an intentional choice by Hooper because it was the 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 death is always at hand. The chainsaw is always right there. And right. that is so effective it's brilliant it is utterly brilliant it's so pitch perfect effective as a as a terrorizing move as a storyteller and a filmmaker to do something like that um and and you don't notice it unless you're looking for it unless you're actually listening sure, for it sure. but i was like wow yeah it is never there is no doppler effect on the chainsaw at, at any time it is always right there on her heels and that whole I, I don't even know if we should do likes dislikes because this film is just terrifying. I mean, like we can, but I, this yeah, film is just terrifying. I, I got, I got some, I got some likes dislikes. Well, hit me with them. I will, I will. I'll just chainsaw you in the hit belly. me in the head with a hammer of likes dislikes. Oh, oh. um, <laughs> I loved, and this was surprising to me. I loved the darkly comic tone of it. Like, I yeah, loved. Yeah. 
And it, what was fun about it is I knew, like, I'm supposed to be like, this isn't going to be funny, but that's really funny. You know, like, right. yeah, the, of the, the sort of simpleton washing the car who keeps coming back when the dad keeps coming out. Right. I mean, he, you don't right. know he's the dad of people at that point, but, um, right. Right. you know, the, the, I'll call him the proprietor. He, he goes into the, the, the store. And the guy goes to sit, he comes back out and the guy gets up and goes and washes. It's just this really funny play back two or three times. Um, I do think another, another aspect to me, this is random, but jumping out of this a little bit, you asked about, uh, what I felt about the movie. There was a little bit of plot wise lack of surprise. I mean, once they, I mean, I've seen cabin in the woods, I've seen all these movies at this point, like when they stumble on that sort of general store and they're wacky weirdos, it's like, okay, y'all are, y'all are definitely playing into this somewhere. You're doomed. (laughs) Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, so that was a really funny bit. I love the line of him. Well, it's, it's a, it's an action and a line when he has, when the proprietor has, what's his name? I'm not looking at the IMDb right now. The, oh, the proprietor's name. Uh, I'll have to, the, the family's name, uh, is Sawyer. <laughs> the, the family's last name is Sawyer. Which so, is, a, which yeah. is, which is eerily also what, Reed? I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners and friends will know why that's a big deal to me. Right, um, right. but, uh, so, so yeah, the, uh, the dad's name is, is, old man oh okay <laughs> it's old man um well yeah. anyway we'll call him proprietor for the sake of conversation okay um, sure i love once he's got sally bound and and it's taken that turn he's got her in the truck and he goes in to turn off the lights and he gets back in the yes. truck he's like yeah oh, yes. cost of electricity is enough to drive a man out of business <laughs> i mean just like wow yeah. I, I love they took the time to pepper the movie with some of those gags sure um, oh absolutely i love how at the end when the only is he the only african-american in the movie the truck driver yes i think he is yeah i love i love that he shows up he saves her for a moment he leaves the frame and is never seen again he's like no no way man i know i'm out of here that idiot's got a chainsaw i am leaving (laughs) you crazy white people exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's so funny he's this he he turns and chunks a wrench at him (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could cuss on this podcast because it'd just be like he just opens the door he's like what you want what you want oh f this like i'm I'm leaving i am gone (laughs) yeah take the keys are in the ignition white girl take it I don't even care. I don't even care. My boss is going to call me. Where's your truck? Like, you go get it. I am not going back. I am not going back. You should have seen him. Um, So, yes, I loved loved that aspect of it. Oh, my gosh. And then I I just wrote, how stupid do you have to be to hang out at that house? I think it's once the second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first girl to get killed. um, Once she's there and stumbles through everything, she's just, like, hanging out. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, literally, even all of my likes and dislikes revolve around the film's uh, fright factor. Um, sure. So, so I'll, rattle, I'll rattle off uh, a couple here. So, first one that I have is, is, I will never understand. This is the exact quote I wrote down. I will never understand why the hell they let that hitchhiker hang out in the van that long. Oh, I will God. never understand that. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd be in, he'd be in my van for like a minute and I'd be like, I'm sorry, you're gone. Like you're out. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm all for being a good Samaritan, but you're like, no, 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 no. You're sitting there playing with a knife in my back, in the back of my van. Now you're setting this picture on fire and whatever. I'm like, 
all of that and and then what what drives me nuts about that is that then the moment they decide okay that's too far is when he blades franklin right like when he right. slices franklin's arm, like okay well now you've gone too far come you know, on like, fella we tried to give your grief. we tried to give your weird self the benefit of the doubt. Why'd you have to abuse no, our generosity? No, no. <laughs> that oh that gosh. that that is one of those moments where it's like there there are there are tropes and conventions to this genre that sort of are a little airtight um, in terms of their execution. But a scene like that, you're like, this is just unbelievable. You know, like, and hear yes. me, I, I'm not yes. even, I'm not even saying what a crappy movie because of this scene. I'm just saying like, he's so clearly off and they just yeah. let him, oh, yeah. they just, they just let him hang out for a good 30 keep, minutes of their going. drive. Yeah. Keep going. I had two more real quick and then I'll bounce to you for, so, so uh, this might be one of yours. So I apologize if I'm stealing it, but the first time we see Leatherface, so the first time we see him and right. you know, it's like, and I wrote, I wrote down by Kirk. Because, like, yeah. I mean, he's wandering up to the door, no idea what's there, and then all of a sudden just out of, out of nowhere, just bam, wham, and... Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And here's what's interesting about this. The most violent part of that moment isn't the murder. The, vi- the most violent part of that moment is the way Leatherface slams the door shut. That's right, the creepiest right, part of that right. moment for me. He slams that door shut so definitively. It's like, like it's the, the whole thing's over before you even really realize what you've just seen. And I'm well, just it's, like, it's oh. in, what's interesting about that scene is, and I'm going to try to juxtapose the thing here or set up a, a, a juxtaposition here, not knowing the plot of the movie because I had not seen it. Um, yeah. That particular scene has a, has a sense in which Leatherface kind of acts like Leatherface himself seems surprised. Remember, like there's oh, almost right, this, right, there's right. almost this like is it Kirk like Kirk Cameron or Kurt Kirk. like Kurt Wagner the Amazing Nightcrawler like Cameron. Okay, so left behind. Um, oh, good job. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, you know what's fascinating about the way that scene is shot, and I wonder it, maybe this information is lost to you know, uh, Hollywood history, maybe it's actually very easy to find. He kind of stumbles up the, the ramp, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it appears like the actor trips and that's right. You know, Leatherface just sort of is like, Oh, Oh, Hey, new fresh meat, right. you know, like, yes, it, it looks so, and in a good way, in a, in a, it works for the verisimilitude kind of way. Like it looks sure, like oh a, a, a fly has just kind of wandered right into the into the spider's web. Yes, exactly. To the point that before I knew the plot and before I knew for certain that the hitchhiker was connected to all of it, it almost had this like oh I kind of liked the notion that almost like they the kids are that dumb like they just keep wandering into the spider web. As sure, opposed, right. as opposed to having been corralled there, does that make sense? Oh, sure, yeah. They so, weren't tricked into being there. They they walked right in. Right, yeah. right, right. So, yeah. I mean, but once you establish the hitchhiker and, and and there is a bit of trickery going on, you know, sure, it, right, it, it does right. it does reveal itself that way. But but no, I'm with you. That the the reveal of him is so like, uh, what just happened? Oh my god. Okay, yes. and the door shut. Yes. Uh, yes. I guess guess that guy's dead. Um, I think, uh, what I wrote down as scares is that needs very little extrapolation is just meat hook. Um, uh, yes. Terrible. Oh my gosh. One of the most gruesome deaths ever. Yes. Yes. Uh, the bone couch is pretty jacked up. 
Um, How about just the creepy ass bone art in general? Like all the like, <laughs> like just it's all I just the love, like. I just I've worked so hard on um, Wicker Man on, on this episode to keep my mild profanity at bay, <laughs> and you're like. How about the creepy ass art? I'm like, yeah, go for it, Reed. <laughs> it's all ours. My apologies to anybody who's offended, but like, I'm sorry if you saw the movie. There's right. no, there's no term for that than creepy ass right. bone art. Like that's right, 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 th- right, right, that right. is what it is. I mean, it, it just everywhere, everywhere in the house, hanging down. No, no, no. I'm with you. It is, it is creepy ass bone art. So I'm down, I'm oh. down with that, that nomenclature. No, um, <laughs> no question. I, w- I will say that that. Franklin and Sally running through the woods. I can't remember if this is, if Franklin's already been disposed of or not, but there's a moment in the woods, either just with Sally or with Franklin and Sally, when Leatherface pops out after being quiet for a little bit, that I almost just pooped my drawers right there on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) It is when he dispenses with Franklin. It's when he, if I'm remembering the moment you're thinking about it, it's, it's, that's when Franklin dies is because they're just sort of, everything's been quiet. They've had this nice little conversation, you know, about like, Oh, and, and then all of a sudden, like just, Oh, there he is. And then bye Franklin. Right. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Which by the way, random trivial bit insert, Despite the film being called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the only one to die by chainsaw was Franklin. <laughs> like, like, he's the only one who gets... Well, cause, cause, that you cause see. The, well, that we see. But, yeah. like, obviously the hammer killed Kirk, um, and the hammer killed... Um, oh, gosh, what's the other one's name? The uh, Kirk and Jerry. Uh, so the hammer kills both of them, and then Sally is like escapes she gets away uh, but severely traumatized but doesn't leatherface use the chainsaw on kirk when uh, he's dead? Yes, yes or is that jerry i can't remember no 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 yeah uh, interchangeable he uses right, the chainsaw right, right. on them yes. after they're after they're done so yeah i guess i guess i couldn't really say like franklin's the only one whose life is actually ended by the chainsaw <laughs> right. we'll, we'll say we'll say that um, There's just little yeah, columns so, little columns for how people get dispensed with and what gets done to them after the fact Right. So the so here's what I'll say as my final sort of scares. Just the last 30 minutes of the movie is relentless. It's relentless. You go from the chase through the woods, which is populated by exactly two sounds. The sound of a chainsaw and the sound of a screaming girl. Like like for right, right, 10 right. minutes. Right. For 10 minutes, you get the sound of screams and the sound of a chainsaw. That's unsettling enough. But then we go from that. We have a brief moment where she collides again with the old man. And before we realize that he's like in right, on right, it. And right. that, that scene is uncomfortable anyway. But then, so we have this brief little respite. And then you go into that dinner scene and and all i all i wrote for my little scare button right here is just supper time and i was like oh well i'll tell you the one word i wrote down for that scene was Uh, (laughs) i just no no nathan rouse no i'm with the black truck driver now f that i am out of here (laughs) I am out of here. <laughs> Reed, where'd you go? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. So what I wrote down was just grandpa. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. And like and everything, all the, about everything about that. Him. Well, it is a pretty brilliant maneuver, just sort of directorially or, or, or script wise, that she stumbles on them previous to the scene. Like, that's a great. Yes. 
Yes. That's a great payoff. Because when they bring him yes. down and all that happens, you're like, oh, my God. Yes. Yes. They cut her finger and he's oh. like sucking on it. He's like, oh, my gosh. But then that's the, like, it's, it's so it's so, it, uh, you better stop. <laughs> I ain't even playing. You better stop. <laughs> Making making that soupy sound with your mouth. I, the, the beautiful nature of that moment was was uh, re- audience members don't know that occasionally our Skype goes a little wonky and I was like certainly he's hearing this because I'm just doing it over and over and over. And I'm just trying to ignore it. I'm just pressing through. I'm just like stop it. Stop it. Yes. Oh man. Yes, but like so so the the I've been trying to find a word, and, and and I don't have it, like, here, live, on the air, like, well, you know, not live to listeners, but, like, I can't, I can't find the word. I've been trying to find a word to describe how claustrophobic and dirty and grimy and uh, just oppressive that final dinner scene is. I mean, it is so inescapable like like you can't get away the 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 close-ups on her face on her bright blue eyes eyeballs yeah and the the frantic nature in which she continually screams and then the sloppy just disturbing way in which grandpa is the trying to get grandpa to oh my god like hammer her in and do the deed i'm just like oh no like it but it this this is that scene made me think and even trying to recollect it right now in this moment, that scene made me think this must be what it's like to be on drugs. Like, (laughs) like the watching of it, it is so like brain bending what you're watching. You're like, how, what? Oh God. Oh, and then that, and then the, and then like the hammer and the, (laughs) I'm a cuss and not bleep it out. Oh my gosh. Please don't. But no, I'm with you. I'm with you. It is, it's well to not, not attempting to put too grave a word on it it's hellish i mean it is no it is it, it is, is hellish yes i think that's an appropriate moniker it's like these impish demons that you know with yes it, it's awful yes yes absolutely and uh i think that's i think that's a huge there's this there's this instinct that toby hooper clearly had when he was making this film uh it it, it is relentlessly oppressive the film is like just an hour and 20 it's so brief but it is assaultive it is so relentlessly disturbing and and even to the point of like when she gets away like we are we we just sort of jokingly called out to it earlier but when she gets away and i read this somewhere in 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 my trivial excursions that all Toby Hooper told uh, Gunnar Hansen, who's the actor who's playing Leatherface, all right. he told him to do is act frustrated. That's all he told him to do is act frustrated. And so he knew, Gunnar Hansen sort of instinctively knew, well, me just stamping my feet and acting a fit is not going to cut it. So that's why he starts swinging that chainsaw oh, yeah, around yeah, yeah. in this weird sort of like dance maneuver. And uh, oh, and then just, you know, cut to credits. And, right, um, right. And, and it's that was like, brilliant. N- none of None of the bad guys are dead. Not one of them have been dispensed with. She just happened to get out. So so the horror is all still there. It's all still present. Don't stumble onto the wrong road in Central Texas. You know, like, oh, my gosh. It is, it's utterly brutal. And it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it's really, it's everything that a horror film 
can be in terms of affecting and its its effective nature of it. It is it, it's easy to see why it was such a landmark, so influential. Why it, it still holds the power that it does today because it is uh, it's just instinctively effectual. So uh, that having been said. Um, uh, as far as themes, I don't know what you had in the arena of themes. I'm just going to make one broad sweeping statement that we don't even have to dissect. That critics, this this film has been picked apart, studied, dissected, documented. Critics have seen such a variety of themes in it as far as like an indictment of capitalism, a subversive commentary on the objectification of women, a critique of the American agriculture industry, not to mention a profane version of the nuclear American family. I mean, they, they, critics have parsed out things from this film that I'm just like, really? Like to a degree to where I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not balking at critics and scholars right, right, who, right. Have, who have seen this, but I'm just like that's going on in this film too because it feels so raw like it feels so almost slapped together now i'm not saying that toby hooper was a sloppy director there's clearly right, a lot right, of intention right. behind everything that's happening but it feels upon first viewing of like man well anybody with a camera and and a set of actors could could put this stuff together that's clearly not true because i think toby hooper was was scratching at the door of genius with this film but um they they, they have just torn it apart over time of saying that it means all of these different things to the point that I almost don't know what I think the theme is. Right. I don't even, I don't even know if I, and, and I have a quote to kind of go with that. The, the moment that I latched onto, and this will probably conclude my little thematic thing. And then we can, you know, we can bounce back and forth. So, I, I latched on to the, the one sort of quiet moment before the relentless storm of the last half hour when Sally and Franklin are sitting at the van and they're talking about like, do you think what Pam was saying about the horoscope, do you think that's true that, you know, Saturn's a bad sign and bad things are going to happen? And then Sally said something that in every viewing of this film I have missed and skirted right over, but it rang like a cathedral bell in my head today uh, or when I watched this film. Sally says back to him, says, everything means something, I guess. Just the simplicity of everything means something. Like, I don't know, I don't know if, if what that, hor- in other words, what she's saying is, I don't know if that horoscope means that this is what's right, going to happen to us right. or that something bad's going to happen, but everything means something, I guess. And it's easy to walk away from the film and try to convince yourself that there is this sort of just playful nihilism. That it's right. just uh, sort of trying to dig its heels down into depravity and dirt and smut, and that be all there is to it. But Sally's quiet little observation that everything means something, I guess, really speaks volumes about this film itself. Because look at what scholars through the the past 40, 50 years have pulled out, uh, 40 years, have pulled out from this film. All of these different... Sure thematic observations and and uh yeah it's it just it just struck me as a as interesting that the film itself which could border on absolute absurd nihilism seems to be dripping with thematic resonance for a large variety of people what did you have (laughs) what did you latch on to um no i've got hey man i've got my list of themes here i'm excited so i'll just go in order Theme one, head cheese is the vilest phrase in the English language. Oh my gosh. 
I never want you to make that sound. I never want you to say quivering, and I never want you to say head cheese. I know what to get you for your birthday. Um, Theme two, never pick up a hitchhiker. Theme three, ever be a be a vegan. (laughs) Theme theme four, don't go in the woods. Theme five, don't go outside at night. Theme six, don't go on road trips. Theme seven, (laughs) don't leave your home. (laughs) Theme, (laughs) Theme eight. Texas Forever Street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Texas Forever. Your eyes full hearts can't lose, bro. Can't can't eat. Um, You know what's funny about this movie? So, so I knew nothing about. I I really, I really knew nothing about the. I knew the title and I knew the the sort of gravity of history attached to it, but I didn't know the plot or anything. Well, you had sort of, you tweeted to me once I posted that I was watching it. You said, welcome to the slaughterhouse or something like that. Slaughterhouse is always open. Yes, yes, yes. And I said, and I thought, I was like, oh no. Like that was, that was before like the opening <laughs> credits had even started. Well, what you don't know is my wife is on this like, and it, this sounds dismissive. I don't mean it to, but she is really into like be you know a, a a plant-based diet these days and and i am sure. like toby hooper after hold your thought toby hooper after directing no, this film you hold your thought because i was gonna say it ding dong <laughs> okay you started over then i won't interrupt no, you this time no, no you already did it's there it's it's recorded we'll leave it <laughs> we'll leave it and with my reaction so yes i did catch that and i found that fascinating but but the the preface matters because when i when you said what you said i was like oh is that where we're going here? And then they start talking about the factory and the stuff. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, Mm -hmm. because it, yeah, like I don't, this is not necessarily the time to go into your thoughts and feelings and practices as far as meat and, and processed meat go. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing. And we had just watched this documentary on Netflix, which has have, which has a ton of critics and apparently rightly so. But nonetheless, this has been a conversation in our home a lot lately. And so when this movie, I was like, dad, gum it. Fine. (laughs) Pass the carrots. Oh, (laughs) you know, like, like, oh man, it's so bad. Yeah. What's the Aziz Ansari joke where he's like, the problem with meat is that like, plants need to up their game <laughs> like sure. hey everybody yeah. you want some broccoli you want some kale and he's right. like yeah i'll take it and wrap it in bacon right 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 <laughs> right right oh my gosh yeah and, and, and well so the film is really i don't even know how i feel about this but to to just sort of put my one statement on your thing the film's really about meat like that's what right. it's about yeah. like it's 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 not and i'm not even saying like just the the whole indictment of agricultural industry that that people sometimes gleam out of it like it's it, it's about like body flesh right. yes flesh body like it's uh it, it is it is a slaughterhouse like the, like the film that that's what you're entering into you're entering into a slaughterhouse not even as metaphor just that that's what this is right and um and it well, reeks and it's I mean, dirty and it's grimy barbecue and some barbecue. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's what the guy says at the top of the. He's I like, know that. That's why I was saying it. Reed, I pay attention, except wow. when the volume's super low and I can't hear a thing they're saying. See, yeah, I don't know. You tell, yeah, you tell. <laughs> well, that's me, the like, very beginning. Oh, that's the very beginning yeah. before before the hell house opens up and we all slide uh, down into the gullet of the demon lord Leatherface. 
<laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh, and he wow. looks at us all and he just goes <laughs> no more works every no time more. Oh, uh, no yeah so those those were those were the prevailing themes that I came away with um, you know like it's so so do you have do you have any any uh, further thoughts to extrapolate oh I thought you were going to be like any actually important things to say um <laughs> I <laughs> know, no, no, no. no, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, in in my reading, and I I, th- I do think this echoes in it. There is some significant criticism of like the 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 gender sort of elements going right. on. I mean, the fact that the meat hook scene is specifically one of one of, if not the most gruesome death in the film, the only one you really see protracted. Neither of right. the men, neither of the men who get killed. Well, even Franklin is a bit of a subdued sort of death. It's restrained. Know? Right. Right. Um, so it, interestingly, and, and uh, you know, this can be a wide open conversation. I don't really intend it to be, even though it probably should be, I think is what I'm trying to say. Something I read was talking about how in one study, a group of men were shown five films depicting differing levels of violence against women. Um, sure. On first viewing of this movie, they experienced symptoms of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Although then it says on subsequent viewings, they found the violence against women less offensive and more enjoyable. It was just really fascinating and troubling. And, and you know, yeah. it's, it's possible. Now, hear me. This is a troubling movie in its own right, period. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure on a very subconscious level, like that diner, that dinner table scene is soundtracked by her screams. I mean, just, just plain yeah. and simple. And I think, I think I am in, in, you know, I joke about having my hand on the volume and hand on the pause button. I've got three young females in my home who it's like, uh, yeah, this is jacked up and I'm watching it and hear me. This isn't even me indicting the movie. I'm just saying subconsciously, is this what's happening to me as I'm watching it? Like, I don't want to hear this myself. I don't want mm-hmm. them to hear this. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I do think there's some interesting stuff going on in it. Yeah. And you know what? It, so I, I agree. I think the thing that I latched onto in this particular viewing of it is just how far gone into utter insanity. And I'll go ahead and use the word depravity. These these people are yes. This, that's, a, this, that's a good word. That's a good word. Yeah, that they they are utterly depraved. And I I remember I did not write this quote down, and I'm wishing I had because um, it, it I think it's it's prescient to what I'm about to say. But th- at one point, the old man says something about like you know like nobody likes killing. Like I don't like killing. It's just something's got to be done. Right. And right. and and it stuck out to me that just the cavalier manner in which somebody would be like, well, I ain't saying I like it. You ain't gotta like it, but we're gonna do it. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen. And I do think that it's possible we don't we don't talk about this very much on this show, but there's a concept in scripture about like reprobation. Sure. Where it's like 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 a too far gone moment. Right. Like right. you are you sure, are sure. you are too far beyond the pale. There is no recovery at all. Like whether that be a psychological reality, a spiritual reality, whatever it is, like that there is now a beyond the pale. You have you have crossed it to where there is no other and the scripture verse that I 
wanted to bring in, you know, the, this is deep in the heart of Texas. This is you know, <laughs> the, the film opens with with uh, charred bodies and like sun scorched uh, desert terrain. This is the scripture that that I thought about Isaiah chapter nine, verses 18 through 20. I'll tell you the, the this scripture and then I'll tell you the first part of it. The first part of that chapter. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 18 through 20 says this. For wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It kindles the thickets of the forest, and they roll upward in a column of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is scorched, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one spares another. Then verse 20, they slice meat on the right, but are still hungry. And they devour on the left, but are not satisfied. Each devours the flesh of his own arm. And it's it's this haunting sort of sort of apocalyptic landscape. The top half of Isaiah nine, when it's saying like this is this is the landscape that that is coming to the people. The top half of Isaiah nine is where we get the for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. <clears throat> wow. That that there is this is a state of things. This is a state of too far gone. Right. Beyond beyond repair. Utterly utterly burnt to a to a crisp, gone, uh just completely irredeemable. And in the midst of this wasteland, a seed, if you will, planted of hope and redemption and restoration into the midst. Now now granted the, you know, I'm not I'm inverting the subject of Isaiah chapter nine, but I do feel like when I'm looking at the text, that's what's meant to those two images are meant to be juxtaposed that you get the apocalyptic landscape. And then in the midst of this apocalyptic landscape, a son has been, a child has been born, a son has been given. And I'm thinking about this, this film and I'm thinking about its griminess, it's, it's, it's dirtiness, it's uh, raw visceral power, and I think that, yeah, there is a seedy underbelly to much of what goes on in the world around us. There, right. is, a, there is a darker story frequently being told uh, when people leave their church pews and go home. There is a darker story frequently untold when people stand down from the platform and go back to their hotel rooms. There's a darker story frequently untold uh, in the closets and back alleys and desolated abandoned houses in the small forgotten places and that's where horror that that's where fear has its power has its sway over us sure but something as as faithful believers that we must never forget is that yes the 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 horror is as bad as it can possibly get that sometimes it is as as depraved as it could possibly be but our mission our purpose is to never forget that it is into that place, into that hell, that a seed of hope was planted. That, it, that, that there is, for those of us who accept the Christian faith, that there is always on the horizon a light beaming that will, that will never be extinguished, no matter how dark the landscape. I know some twisted, nasty things happen. I know that I'm not even dismissing. There are stories, real, true stories. I'm not even talking about fictionalized Toby Hooper's genius put on screen. I'm talking real, true crime, 
people in law enforcement who have seen horrendous things, people, detectives who have seen uh, just despicable, disgusting, awful, terrible, heartbreaking things have happened. But we as believers must recognize that, yes, that is, that is the truth of the apocalyptic landscape we, we find ourselves in sometimes. But there is also another truth that is not extinguished by that truth. That there is another truth that has not been put out by all of the desolation and the depravity that we see around us. Now, I may feel trite. I'm not trying to be bumper stickery. I'm trying to be authentic in how I'm expressing this, even though it may feel like I'm trying to just sort of pigeonhole in uh, a, a gospel message in the midst of this. But I think that's I think that's where we lose track, is I think we focus too much. The depravity is deeply disturbing and can easily make us lose our grip on the truth of the gospel that we are called to bear witness to even in the midst of the most depraved circumstances and the most depraved situations. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's always a window to jump out of. That's true. Second story. <laughs> you can always, on the you back can always, of a pickup truck. You can always bank on grandpa to not be able to wield that hammer. Oh <laughs> my Lord. Ugh. That was truly awful. Is, I mean, like I, I know it feels like I'm totally not even heeding this beautiful pastoral thing you just said, but in no, that's the, okay. Go in, right back in, to the depraved place, Nathan. In Take the thread, in the thread of the comic elements of the movie, that one you're like, I, this is sort of funny, but it's so jacked up and depraved. Yeah, no question, no question about it. Um, well, I've said my piece. Have you uh, got anything to add, or should we go ahead and call in our mutually beloved friend? Um. I, again, you know, just just Texas forever, man. I think I think that's all you need, and, <laughs> and, and you know, um, uh, yeah. Well, why don't you explain to people who our mutually beloved friend is that I'm talking about? Um. Well, uh, that would be one, Mister David S. Pumpkins. Uh, we we. Yep. 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 Um, we do um, rate all the movies we cover on a David S. Pumpkin scale of one through five or zero through five, depending if you're feeling frisky, on three categories of style, scares, and substance. Tonight, my friend, we are discussing and rating Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, on the subject of style, I think for me, I would probably say I'm tempted i'm gonna go a three and a half although i'm tempted to four i'm gonna go a three and a half okay i'm gonna go four i'm gonna go all right i don't want to be double okay all right there it is uh four is also where i'm gonna land i feel a little bad giving it a four like i feel like i kind of want to qualify that because i do think the movie has a stroke of genius to it but i do think that it's that it is uh yeah it's just does it still feels kind of grimy and rough as part of what I like about it? But but to me, I landed a four. For for scares, for me, I think I'm gonna go with freaking five. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, to there's, me, there's no way it's not a five. Uh, yeah. It's such a horrific movie. Um, yeah, so five for me for that. What about you for for substance? Um, I honestly think a lot of, uh, you know, clearly using the sort of, uh, you know, meat industrial complex as a backdrop to your story means there's a bit of, if you will, meat on what you're trying to say. Um, but overall, I don't know. I, I think a lot of what is discussed out of it is almost, which isn't to imply a lack of 
wisdom or thoughtfulness on his part, but is a bit more unintentional. Um, I think for me, it's probably going to be in the like, mm, for substance, this is with a really long qualifier, a three. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to land at a four on substance. Um, I feel like because of its influence and because of its power, people have parsed a lot of things in it that I think they are reading into yeah. the text yeah. of the film yeah. uh, that they bring that to That was it. a As much more concise way of saying what I just tried <laughs> to say in five minutes. <laughs> sure. But, um, we, you know, we're guilty of that, too. We do that. That's part of the engagement with film. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that some of that is textual and some of it is, is uh, what people bring to the text of the film. So... With that all in mind... Well, in the spirit of that, my friend, it looks like uh, Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre earns a solid 8 out of 10 David S. Pumpkins. That's yes, honorable. Does. That's 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 Absolutely. worthy. That's a worthy rating. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, if you're looking for your scare factor, uh, yeah, it's terrifying. It's... <laughs> It's utterly, it's utterly oppressive and terrifying. Um, so if you have thoughts, feelings, opinions about uh, the, the, the life and work of Toby Hooper, uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, or if you have any feelings on Texas Chainsaw Massacre or any of the things that we've brought up or the noise, the disgusting, awful noise that Nathan makes with his mouth anytime that <laughs> he tries to try to disturb me. As a, on a serious note, I know it seems hard for me to get there sometimes, but on a serious note, like, I would not blame someone for avoiding this movie. It is sure, sure. It's intense. It is intense. Yeah. It goes yeah. to some pretty dark places, and so you know, fair warning. I know we don't we don't do that every episode because I don't feel like no, right. Mo- most of us are you know have a pretty discerning palate for this stuff, but this is a pretty intense dark movie. So just yeah, no, fair, fair fair warning. Yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um. And if you want to talk about that or any elements of this film or anything that we've discussed, you can do so in a variety of ways because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. You can reach out to us. Probably the most accessible and simplest and easiest way would be through Twitter. Nathan, what's our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle read is at the fear of God. You can also like us on Facebook. There's a link to that through Twitter. You can post there or comment on one of the posts that we've done. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on the official post for this episode or any of our other formal episodes. You can email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? They can find me on Twitter besides the fear of God, at the Nathan Rouse. And last but certainly not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would certainly greatly appreciate a review. So, Nathan, <laughs> wow, what was that? I, I don't know. I don't know how we pulled this. I don't know how we pulled this off. But I think like when we talk about this movie on Twitter, we should just like come up with the hashtag and just be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre podcast by the fear of God hashtag. I know. Don't like. How do you spell that? How do you spell that? I tell you what, you spell it, I'll put it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, THP. THP. Yeah. That's like that's like Spidey's web. That's like no. That's, th- no, that's thwip. T H W I P. We gotta end oh. this thing, man. 
It's a big difference. It's a big difference. But we got to stop before I start talking comic onomatopoeia. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Nathan, thank you very much for having this conversation with me. Check out on social media to see where we're going to next. I have a feeling it's going to be very, very exciting. Um, So check out social media for that. And yeah, Nathan, thanks again. Yeah, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye, everybody. Deep in the heart of Texas The oil wells are full of smell Deep in the heart of Texas The cactus plants are tough on pants Deep in the heart of Texas That's why perhaps they all wear shafts Deep in the heart of Texas